you know, I knew that we were going to lose my mom. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I can't, like, I can't disappear too. Like, what is my dad going to do? Like, I was just, you know, so consumed by, by depression and wanting to make sense of everything. And I just realized that it was, it was my job to, you know, to claw my way back out of, you know, this, this darkness that I kind of, you know, felt comfort in. Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast meant to expand your consciousness with new age wisdom, advice, empowerment, and inspiration. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Wednesday for an insightful conversation with guests whom are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, let's thrive. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I am so happy to be back after a two-week hiatus. I guess it's just a break. Nevertheless, I'm so happy to be back with you guys, and I apologize for that unplanned little break I took. Travel was crazy, and I just couldn't be taking all my podcasting equipment with me, so here we are now. And I'm so excited because we're coming back with an truly amazing episode and I know I say that every time but this one is special we get very deep and it's raw it's beautiful it's moving it's with my newfound friend through Instagram Hannah Guthman she is out of this world not only is she inspiring talented caring compassionate thoughtful she has this amazing journey similar to my own When she was young, she lost her mother, similar to my own story, and that's kind of what connected me to her. When I found out via Instagram that, you know, she had gone through a similar process and grieving as me, I thought, wow, (laughs) I kind of want to follow along and see what she does to, you know, help, help move on and how she lives day to day. So I followed along and quickly just fell in love with her posts, whether it's beautiful food posts that are absolute artwork or if it's these sweet little personal posts that speak volumes about her and what she's gone through and I'm so honored she came on to talk about that with us today because I think it's something we can all relate to and her story is just truly inspirational. We talk about how grief can change you and Hannah shares her own journey with how grief did change her and how she found her way back to who she really is, if you want to say it like that. And I feel similar to her in this idea of, you know, sometimes after grief, you feel like you are lost. You don't know what's what and who you really are. And it takes time to come back to that. And that's what she shares and walks us through. She tells us, you know, how she felt during the thick of it and what going through all of this at such a young age did to her you know, taking on a higher level of maturity to survive, support her mom, support her dad. She really shows such strength in her journey and how she comes through it. Like I mentioned before, she also talks about how she came to find herself again, whether this was through travel, just getting out there and experiencing new things, art, food, and eventually with an actual like location move, moving from LA back to San Diego. She also shares how her desire to be healthy and have some semblance of control in her life following her mother's death, she fell into a rather disordered way of eating. 
and I wanted to make it clear as she explained it to me after recording, she never really had, you know, an eating disorder, quote unquote, for the reasons that, you know, it's usually clinically diagnosed as. Hers was more of a disordered way of eating because it was, you know, for this idea of health, this idea for control. And that is another point on which we both connect with very much. This conversation gets very vulnerable and I thank Hannah so much for sharing openly and helping anyone else going through a similar path. Whether you've lost someone, you have someone you love that's ill in your life right now and not doing well, you know, maybe you're just in a big transition in your life, maybe you're having some, you know, body issues or issues with eating and food and exercise, any of those things could, I think, be helped by this episode. Hearing someone else's journey through them and how she got out is a very good way to connect it back to yourself. If you guys like this episode, if it resonates with you, if you take anything away from it at all, please share it on your Instagram story and tag me at thrive underscore on life or hannah at hannah.guthman. I'll link it below. It just would truly mean the world to know that this, you know, resonated and connected with one of you guys. And as always, you can go to iTunes, leave a rate and review, subscribe if you want. It helps the show. You know, it just takes a minute or two. But either way, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's dive right in to this raw and emotional conversation. I did want to ask you this more, or I don't know when it was, but I saw on your last Instagram story, you were making like a new backdrop with... Are you like real big into like the arts and the creatives like that? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time um, in college, actually. Um, and I can, you know, share this in, in the podcast, but I spent a lot of time really kind of tapping into um, my creative self and my outlets. Like I grew up in a very creative family and, um, you know, it's always, you know, using my hands, especially for gardening and, and touching things and making arts and crafts and things like that. But um, when I was grieving the loss of my mother, I was looking for an outlet. And the only thing that really came to me was was painting in acrylics. And so I started buying all of these things and was sponge painting and splattering and just getting my hands messy. And so anyway, long story short, I've always wanted to make my own board and my own backdrop. And I've been you know, like looking around and shopping for them and they're really expensive. And I'm like, I like I want to make something myself you know and be proud of that and like I've made ceramics before and there's just something about using your hands um so I made it and now I'm shooting with it and I need to like go get some other things to like fix it up because I don't want to spill on it well I probably will spill on it but um anyway yeah so I I made it and I think I don't know. It's funny because I was using cement yesterday and then about an hour when I was finished with it, I realized like my face was really itchy and my skin was really itchy and I'm pretty sure I got like some particles on me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really hope I don't like break out in some kind of rash or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so crafts, projects, artwork. I mean, that's, I can share more, but it's, Yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely like engraved in, in me. It's one of the things that really makes me tick. I absolutely love that. Yeah. I find that so amazing because I've yet to really like tap into that side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had a little bit like in my schooling, 
but I just never, never really like dove into it. But it's something that I keep seeing pop up again and again. And I'm like, maybe I need to <laughs> yeah. look into trying that some more. But So for anyone unfamiliar with who you are, do you mind just giving us a brief introduction to you? Hi, I'm Hannah. I am 27 years old and I grew up in Southern California in Simi Valley, which is part of Ventura County. Claim to fame there is the Ronald Reagan Library is basically everything that's going on. Um, I went to school at the university. I need to start over. Blah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is going to be rough. I don't know why it's so hard to introduce myself. It's okay. It's okay. I should have, like, written everything out. Oh, my gosh. No, it's okay. This sounds more natural, honestly, when people talk, <laughs> talk free. <laughs> okay. I'm 27 years old. I grew up in Southern California in Simi Valley, which is part of Ventura County. And I went to school at UC San Diego, or UCSD for short. I grew up swimming, playing water polo, then shifted into running. And now I practice yoga, I spin a lot, I um, really enjoy running, can't do it quite as much as I injured myself, but um, currently living in San Diego and really, really happy to be back in a city, in a town, in a community that truly feels like home to me. If you had to choose just a few words or traits, characteristics to describe yourself, what would they be? Wow. Um, I definitely start with using a combination of persistent and determined. I've always felt this internal drive to move forward and to make progress and to learn more and grow um, and to absorb, you know, more ideas and more knowledge around me. Um, and this drive has led me down a path of pursuing different types of, of work, living in different places, having different types of relationships, whether they're business oriented or personal. Um, but I've always been really determined to find my happiness and to pursue things and people and spaces um, that make me happy, that, that fill me up, um, and also allow me to, a sense of, of purpose to what it is that I'm doing and the, the impact that I'm having on the people around me and, and myself. And I've had little bits and, and pieces throughout my life where I've, I've really felt disconnected. Um, and so those moments combined with the moments where I, I really do feel like I've, I've found a space for myself um, really inspire me to continue um, moving forward and creating more of that and also giving that to other people. Um, I could pick a couple of other words. I would definitely say creative. I've always loved using my hands, playing with colors and textures and getting messy and dirty and it's just always been a way for me to express who I am. I think part of that is because I grew up as an only child and I would have to find ways to keep myself entertained and so when I could make arts and crafts and if I could go into the garden and play with dirt and plant things or move rocks around or 
um, you know, do whatever it was that I was <laughs> doing. Um, it was just a really great way to keep myself occupied and also, you know, to express myself. And that sort of, you know, transpired into me as, as a young adult, a young woman into my writing, into, it progressed into, you know, my, my passions for creating with food um, and playing with my food. And it's something that is just really, um, it's kind of cathartic for me and something that I really, really enjoy. And it's, it's a part of me that really allows me to express myself um, and also feel connected to the elements around me. I could pick one other trait to describe myself. I would definitely say that I'm sarcastic and definitely a big fan of, of puns. I don't really know how this started, but I think it's just another way for me to entertain myself. And I just started realizing that there were so many um, different ways to, to play with words too and to make them entertaining. Um, and they always put a smile on my face and, you know, puns put a smile on other people's faces and I think that it's a really a really great way to to connect with with other people and also kind of share a little bit of your personality and um, keep things interesting. I feel like whenever you do something with your hands and you're connecting like that's so grounding and you mentioned before that you had times of feeling disconnect and I've certainly been there you know I think everyone has those moments in their life and it's so important to find something that can ground you like that, which you did. And with the puns, I, I, I too feel you on the sarcasm part. And <laughs> I just love playing with words, you know, whether it's navigating a conversation with someone so that it goes in the exact direction I want it to, or it's like taking art to the words and rearranging them and playing with them, like you said. So I love that. And so, exactly. yeah, you mentioned before, you know, you have this drive and this purpose and passion. But then also, if you know anyone does follow you on Instagram or your blog, you just recently moved back to San Diego. And so I'm curious, what prompted this move back? And, you know, was it that drive and that purpose and passion inside of you that really fueled you through a, you know, rather big transition in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, wanting to feel connected to a community and and also myself and really um, give myself the opportunity to create a foundation that felt truly authentic to me um, was what inspired me to come back. I'll say that moving to San Diego on my own, really starting fresh without much of a plan um, was the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, the biggest move personally that I've ever made, um, even though I did live here before I was going to school and I had a routine and I had things regimented and, you know, knew exactly what I was doing. And when I moved back home after graduating, there was just part of me that was really sad about leaving. And at the time I couldn't, you know, really find work and couldn't find the right fit. And so I did what a lot of people did and, you know, are doing, you know, you go back home and you try to get grounded. Um, and home was really different for me. Home didn't really feel like home. It was a house and my dad was there and the dogs were there. Um, but it didn't quite feel like me. And at that point, I really realized that I 
was sort of on this this mission to find something that felt like me to create that for myself. And I know a lot of people may think that, you know, home is wherever you are. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. But I think that your surroundings really do play a role in um, in how, you know, how you feel and your ability to be connected to to yourself and to your feelings and to your truth. And when I was at home for, I'll say maybe four years, I, I just felt like something was missing. I didn't feel right. I didn't feel grounded at all. I just kind of felt like I was floating in this, this space and kind of going through the motions because it's what I thought I needed to do. It's where I thought I needed to be. And then I moved into LA for, for work and partially for the food and for the restaurants and, um, you know, spent about a year there and the entire time I was there didn't feel right either. Um, had really good friends and had work and my father was, you know, nearby who's, you know, my family. And the entire time I was like, this just isn't me. It just doesn't feel right. And as my lease started to come to an end, I was just really thinking hard about what I was going to do. And I couldn't get San Diego out of my head, could not get the thought of places that I had connected to and, and, and routes that I had driven and, and ran and just all of these things that kind of became part of me when I was going to school that I had, you know, sort of tucked away. I couldn't get those thoughts out of my head. And I just felt this, I'm just going to call it a thing for lack of a better word, this thing deep inside of me that was drawing me back here just drawing me back here. And I will say that, you know, an older, an older self, a younger self might've been not as, not as willing to listen to that voice, maybe been a little bit more fearful of, of following that intuition. And because of, you know, things that have happened in, in my life, I heard this voice loud and clear and didn't really know exactly where it was leading me, except that it was leading me down south to San Diego and decided to take a really big risk and jump and landed on my feet. I love that. Um, this past year, I did a similar, it was the first time I ever trusted that in- intuition. And I dropped out of college after my first week. And um, yeah, it was a big it was a big jump and it's fearful, but like I stumbled a bit (laughs) before I landed upright, but it definitely was the right decision. And so I, I understand that. I don't know that you, you have to trust in it so much because if you don't, then either you don't make the jump or you make the jump and things might not always, you know, you might not land quite right. So, yeah. And I guess taking it back, to how I just really felt like I connected with you. And I think major part of your journey, would you just mind sharing your story and how grief of losing your mother, something that I know well and many people know well, just changed the script of your life in a rather impactful way? Sure. Um, There's a lot I could say. I'll try to frame everything in a way that that makes sense and I'll try not to leave out 
details because um, there are a lot. Um, but my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, with triple negative breast cancer when I was a junior in high school. It was actually right around my birthday. So I think I was turning 17. I believe, yeah, I believe it was before my 17th birthday. And before it happened, I remember there was one day in particular, a few weeks before I had found out and I was at home and I think it was a weekend. And I just remember my mom calling me downstairs from my room. And you know, when your mom or your dad is, you know, kind of yelling and they're like, Hey, come here, do this. And you're like, no, leave me alone. I, you know, I'm, I'm busy. It, you know, it's kind of one of those situations. So I wasn't really expecting much. I was just like, okay, you know, I'll go downstairs and talk with mom. And I went downstairs and she was sitting on the couch and she just looked very stoic and also very calm. Um, but I just, I knew that that she needed to tell me something. And I walked over to her and she said, you know, come here. And, and I said, okay. And she kind of took my hand and put it on her chest and she said, feel this. And, and I felt this really hard lump. And, you know, as a woman, you know, I I'll speak for myself, but I know there are a lot of us that, you know, tend to check ourselves and, you know, feel things and, and make sure that things are, you know, I guess sort of as they're meant to be. And um, what I felt was unlike anything I'd ever touched before. And in that moment, I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, you need to go get that checked out. And she said, I have an appointment tomorrow. And I said, okay. And in that moment, I knew that my mom had breast cancer. And we exchanged this look and we never talked about this, um, but we exchanged this look. And in that moment, I knew that she knew what it was. And I knew that she knew that I knew what it was. And we both just sort of accepted it. And then a few weeks later, I was actually with my father and we were driving up north. We were on our way to Stanford. I was looking at, at colleges and I remember we were stuck in traffic and he ended up telling me that my mother had you know, that she had breast cancer. Um, and I just remember looking at him saying, I know. And he kind of looked at me and he just, you know, kind of nodded his head and things progressed from there. And so what ended up happening was my mom um, had what's called a lumpectomy, which is where they go and they remove the tumor and they remove um, some margins of tissue around it. I remember being really adamant about wanting her to have a mastectomy. I wanted her to have a double mastectomy. I wanted to go and get a double mastectomy like right away. And I, you know, just kind of went into this state of, you know, get everything out, you know, of her, of me. And, and it's, it's one thing when, you know, you have something going on, but when it's someone else, it's, you know, it's not, your decision, it's their decision. And as a child, it, none of these things were my decisions. And I just had to accept what my mom wanted to do, what my dad wanted to do and the decisions that they made together. Um, and so she had this done and she had chemo. Um, I believe she had a little bit of, of radiation. And, you know, a few months later, she had some check-ins and it seemed like 
things were sort of dissipating. And then all of a sudden she started getting really bad headaches. And I'll say this at the time, um, when I was in high school, I was extremely like adamant about wanting to go to medical school. I was interested in becoming a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Um, I had kind of grown up watching like medical shows and, and all of that stuff. And I, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and she started getting really bad headaches and she started getting really dizzy. And there were moments where she would fall over and, and she started getting like excruciating pains in her neck and had, you know, had some checkups here and there. And, you know, we all kind of thought they were just, you know, symptoms from the treatment. And then as it turns out, she started having some trouble with her eyesight. And um, I just remember um, one day I was at school and, you know, we're kind of shifting now into um, towards or towards when was this? It's kind of hard, you know, when I reflect back, it's, it's like it happened so long ago, but it's also like it was still really recent. So sometimes I kind of lose track of, of my, you know, like my time frame. Um, but I think the, the headaches and the pain had kind of continued um, into my senior year. Okay. Yeah. Now it's kind of coming back. And I remember one day, um, I want to say this was maybe about, maybe about a year later. So this was almost before I was supposed to graduate and I was sitting in class and I got a text from my dad and, you know, he told me, um, that, you know, he and my mom, you know, were going to some doctor's appointments and that, you know, maybe I should, you know, um, go have dinner with a friend that night or something kind of along those lines. And I was like, okay. And, um, and then I remember doing that and had dinner with the friends. And when I got home, no one was home. And I thought it was kind of odd. And then I remember it being really late at night. And all of a sudden my front door opens and my dad's there and my mom's not. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, you know, where is mom? And he's, you know, holding a bag of clothes. And I look at him and he said, Hannah, he said, your mom is having an emergency craniotomy. Um, they found a brain tumor. And as it turns out, all the symptoms that she was having um, was because there was quite literally a golf ball sized tumor in her brain and it was pressing on her optic nerve and it was causing the dizziness, it was causing um, the impairment in her vision, uh, all of the, all of the symptoms that she was having. Um, and she had brain surgery that night and somehow miraculously got through it. And I remember seeing her the next day and she was in, um, in the recovery room and she woke up and she had a smile on her face and I just remember being in awe of her and wondering how this woman had, you know, woken up and, and got herself through this, this ordeal. And she was talking and she was alert and wanted to go get a Jamba juice and um, ended up, you know, fast forward through a couple of months and she made it to my graduation. And, you know, it was one of the happiest days of my life because she almost didn't make it. Um, and then from there, 
over the next couple of years, the tumors came back. And this, you know, went into my time at college. Um, and at the time I was playing water polo, I was playing on the women's team at UC San Diego in my freshman year. My parents came to every game. That was just kind of, you know, what you did. And when you have parents that, you know, are able to support you through athletics, they come to games, they, you know, sit at the snack bar, they do team meals, you know, they did all of those things. My parents did all of those things for me when I was growing up and in high school and uh, a part of my life that I cherish and, um, and value and, and love and miss. And, you know, and I had that during my, my freshman year in college and then in my sophomore year, um, that's when I knew things were a lot different um, because my mom wasn't able to come to one game and neither was my dad and she was too sick and had, you know, additional surgeries, more tumors, more radiation, more treatment. And um, in between the summer of my junior and senior year, sorry, my sophomore and junior year, um, I went home and took care of my mom um, for a few months and then I lost her the night before my junior year actually started. Um, I remember, I remember before I went home for that summer when things had really started to take a turn, I remember feeling inside of me that that was going to be the summer that I lost my mom. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I took care of her during that time. Um, didn't really have help from friends and my dad was around, he was busy opening up the business and I was really my mom's primary caretaker. And, and she passed away the night before my junior year started. And I, at that time I was actually back in San Diego and got a phone call from my dad late at night. It was right before midnight and I knew what the call was. And, um, and then after that, you know, you had mentioned leaving school after a week. I stayed in school for about four or five weeks after that happened. Um, because I was on financial aid and I was like, I need to keep, you know, financial aid. And I was just like, I felt like a robot. And, and then I withdrew, I withdrew from school. I, I couldn't be there, uh, physically, mentally. I, um, I was just, you know, I was a shell of myself and, um, all I knew to do was to go back home. And so that's exactly what I did. And would you like me to continue from it's, here? It's up to you, whichever you want to do. Or if you want to say you've like, come back to it, it doesn't matter. I feel like I'm rambling and rambling. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> you. Um, well, I guess we're, we're technically, I'm just kind of sharing my story. Um, so I went back home and for three or four months, I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking, what I was doing. Um, I was just at home. And then all of a sudden, I started realizing that I, I needed to be doing something and felt this desire to, to tap back into my creative self, um, to interact with people, with food, 
And like I had mentioned earlier, I, you know, it always sort of had a passion for, for food and, you know, for colors and, and creativity. And I decided that, you know, after years of, of thinking about food and all things culinary that I wanted to go to culinary school. And so I ended up looking at the, I believe it was the, the Culinary Institute in Santa Monica or the Art Institute. I can't really remember the name, but it was in Santa Monica. And I went in and took a tour and just started thinking about going to school there and taking classes. And it was really expensive. And I decided that it wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to touch food. And so I started looking for jobs because at the time going back to college just didn't really seem feasible to me. Um, And actually part of me was like very adamant that that part of my life was done, that I was not going back. It was too much of a, of a trigger for me. Like I can't go back to the place where all of these things happened and um, started looking for jobs and found a job at a local Nordstrom in the restaurant at the time. And it was for dishwasher. And I look at it and I'm like, well, I want to touch food. The only way I'm going to be able to touch food is by washing dishes. So I applied for the job um, and was really excited about it. Went in for an interview and ended up getting hired. And like a week later, I was in the dish pit. And it was probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life. You know, getting sprayed, it's hot, I'm slipping all over the place. And it was just, you know, it was insane. And I also, I got hired like right before the holidays. And so the amount of dishes that were like constantly piling up, like even at like, you know, 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., it was just, it was insane. And like at that point, I realized how important that job is, how the dishwasher, the person who does and cleans everything that people eat off of is the most important restaurant or the most important position in a restaurant because without clean plates, forks, knives, spoons, cups, whatever, um, you can't eat and you can't serve food. And um, I've never worked harder in my life and never been messier or touched more food that wasn't mine. but I just, I remember, you know, after about a week, the, the chef at the restaurant at the time had realized that I had, you know, aspirations to sort of work my way up and had some skills with, with a knife. And so we ended up pulling me out of the dish pit and threw me on the line. And I worked as a line cook for about four or five months there. Um, and, you know, kind of fast forward through that, I, I realized that I was spending all of my time staring at a cutting board. And what I was really missing was connecting with people again. One thing that, you know, I hadn't really experienced because I had been so isolated from caring for my mother on my own and then not being at school, not having people around me. Um, I also mentioned this too, because I don't think I said this before, but aside from being an only child, I don't have any grandparents. I have one uncle who lives in Poland, a couple of cousins that live in different countries and you know, they, you know, when I was growing up, they were just never really, you know, part of, of my life. They were too far and there was too much distance. And so I quite literally, you know, grew up in a family of three. Um, so it was just, you know, very unique, isolating experience in and of itself. And then, you know, on top of losing my mother, that was sort of another layer. Um, and 
I just realized that after being in this restaurant and not really talking and communicating, um, I guess in a way I kind of thought that's what I wanted because I was trying to just kind of sort through my feelings and having too many people around was like too stimulating. There was too much noise. It was too loud. And, and then I realized that I wasn't even really talking at all and that I wasn't talking to people except for, you know, talking about firing off taco shells and, and frying polenta and making salads and, you know, doing those things. And there was just this moment where I just realized that I needed to go back to school that I missed being around people that I wanted to get my degree. I wanted to finish um, you know, I felt like I owed it to myself. I owed it to my parents. You know, when I was in high school, I, you know, I was in AP classes. I took all of the exams, did really well. I, you know, was fortunate enough to, to be a valedictorian. And, you know, academics were always a really important part of my life. Um, and I was always, you know, pushed and challenged by my parents to, um, to go above and beyond and to do my best. And there was just this part of me. And, and I get a lot of this from my mother, this determination, this persistence to, to go back and finish because I didn't want to feel like, what if, you know, I didn't want to be in my, you know, late fifties or sixties or seventies and reflect back and be like, you know, I should have gone back and finished. I did all of this work and and the other part of me was like, well, you know, I, I could go back to culinary school and, and get, you know, an associate's degree. And I just, I just wanted to finish. And so I ended up leaving the restaurant job, went back to school, um, was there for about another year plus a quarter, um, ended up working at Whole Foods in San Diego for a year in the prepared foods department. So I was making the sandwiches, I was making the pizza, I was burning myself in the pizza oven stock in the salad bar, hot bar, the chef's case. Um, and then there was actually a restaurant, like a full service or a small full service restaurant in the Del Mar location. And so I was working there and I was plating and I was cooking in the kitchen and then that sort of shifted. And then I ended up working in another local restaurant for, I want to say maybe like another year ish as, as a host and then as a back waiter. And, um, that's sort of where, you know, my, my experience in the food and, and culinary industry uh, lays. And um, I worked in a restaurant until I graduated. And then I, I started looking for, for work. And I had spent some time writing and I was doing some freelance writing and um, writing recipes and things like that. And was looking at PR and I just I couldn't really find what I wanted here in, in San Diego at the time. There's a lot of scientific research. There are a lot of um, solar panel companies and biotech. And it's funny because I, you know, I'd mentioned I, I wanted to, I wanted to be a psychologist and get into psychiatry. I thought I was going to be a doctor and, you know, backtracking my first week in school. I remember taking, you know, like a chem class or a bio class and, the professor said, you know, like you need to memorize the periodic table and all of the elements and all of this and the bells and the whistles. And I just remember like looking to my left and looking to my right. And I'm like, this professor is nuts. And I'm like, I'm not going back. And then I <laughs> ended up dropping um, 
bio or chemistry or whatever it, it was. And at that point I realized I'm like, okay, I'm probably not going to go to med school. Um, and, you know, things just sort of shifted for me and I ended up studying uh, communication and business and got a really nice mixture of talking and visual things and creative things. And it ended up being the right fit for me. Um, but anyway, once I had graduated and realized that I didn't really want to work in the restaurant and I couldn't find what I wanted um, in San Diego, that's when I decided to move back home. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. And um, especially, you know, your journey with your mother. And I, I relate to that and I feel you on that. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, for me personally, I, I felt so invested, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, in her journey, almost like it's not your choices, the things that she decides to do, but like, it's like you just invest your whole being in her and, and, you know, trying to take care of her. And so once you lost her, like, what were the major emotions you felt? And did you almost feel like you mentioned before that disconnect from yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'll say this, my mother, I mean, my mother, and my father, are the two most important people in my life. Um, my mom, I'm very lucky that my mom loved me tremendously. Um, everything that she did for me from the time I was a little girl to the time I was, um, you know, 17, everything she did was, was for me to give me a life that she didn't have and to support me, to challenge me. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I definitely, like, I, I resisted that a lot. And I, I resented the, the pressure and I, I, I resented the, the, what I, you know, would call pushiness. And I think, you know, we all tend to have those types of feelings when we're teenagers and we kind of want to be independent and like, why are our parents, you know, telling us to do this and that, you know, and now as, as a 27 year old, you know, I, I reflect back and, and I know why she was the way that she was. I know she was so hard on me. I know that she was so adamant about me always wanting to, to strive for more because of how much she loved me. Um, but there were times um, right after she got sick that I really pushed myself away from her um, and from the cancer, um, quite honestly, because I was scared. And I think for me, going away to college was in a way, it was a bit of an escape for me because I wasn't at home. I wasn't seeing what was transpiring day in and day out. I would get text messages. I would get phone calls. I would go back every, you know, month or couple of months, but it was sort of, you know, an escape for me. And then, you know, transitioning into my sophomore year, when she really started getting sick, I really started getting scared um, because things were different. Like I had mentioned, you know, she and my father didn't come to any of my games and I didn't really see her. I just, I knew based on, you know, how my life was previously with them that, that things were really starting to take a turn. And I remember kind of finishing out the end of my junior year and 
realizing that I had not been around in a way that I felt I should have. Um, I felt really guilty about that. And I, for a long time, I really punished myself, um, you know, emotionally for being absent and, and pushing my mother away when, when she needed me. And, and I also realized, and I, and I accept the fact that what it, whatever it was that I was doing, I think subconsciously I was protecting myself from, from trauma or like from perceived trauma and, and from loss. And it, it just, it got to this point where I realized that I was going to go home for the summer. I was going to take care of my mom. And I just, again, there was just this internal part of me that recognized that it was, that it was my job to, to be there for her in a way that I never had been. Um, and to give of myself in every way, shape, and form that I could while I could. Um, and, and that's what I did for two and a half or three months. Um, there's a lot I could say about that time. Um, you know, again, it was extremely isolating. And there are a lot of things that I saw that I wish I didn't, a lot of things that I did that, you know, children shouldn't have to do. And it's just, that's just kind of, you know, the way that it was. That's all I knew how to do was to just to take care of her and lost a lot of myself in that, in, in giving to her. You know, I stopped playing water polo. I stopped being, you know, physically active. All I could really think about was just getting up in the morning and making sure that she was okay and getting her fed. And, and, you know, I fell into, into a depression and physically I really started to change mentally. I started to change. Um, and then when she ended up passing, I was so, I was so different. There was, you know, there was a chunk of time and again, it's kind of foggy for me even still, but, I just felt lost. You know, it's like you, you know, for any of us that grow up in a family and you have these routines and these things that are customary, these things that you're doing, um, you know, you get used to them. They give you purpose. They give you a sense of identity. They're who you are. And when those things just stop completely, it's, for me, it was pretty earth shattering. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, all I knew what to do was, was to find a way to find my footing again. I, I knew that I, like, I felt like I was just in this, like this abyss and I was flailing. And all I knew was that I needed to find a way to get planted you know, I needed to get, again, this, this sensation of having my feet on the ground, um, the sensation that, um, you know, I've been searching for ever since I lost her, um, the sensation that, again, came up for me uh, in my decision to move back to San Diego into a place that felt stable. Um, and, you know, it's, I think it's something that I'm probably still going to be searching for a little bit, you know, throughout my, my life, you know, cause there's a part of me that, 
there's a part of my, you know, my identity, my, my history that isn't really there. Um, and the best way that I know how to make sense of that and how to fill it is to continually charge forward and continue to, to give of myself in ways that allow me to connect with other people and, and fill, um, fill this space up with, with warmth and with, with connection and with structure. Um, but yeah, I think, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but yeah, I was definitely, um, I was definitely lost for sure. And also, um, and this might, you know, this might be kind of hard to hear and maybe it's something that you can relate to, but I was also relieved. I was relieved that she wasn't suffering anymore, that she wasn't in pain, um, that she wasn't trapped in this state of, you know, wondering why she wasn't getting better. Um, you know, my mom, it, it got to the point where not only, you know, did she have, have cancer, but it was like she had dementia and Alzheimer's and she had reverted back into this 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 mode of of being a little child and so it was like I became the parent and I was taking care of her and she wanted to get better and didn't understand why she wasn't and so when everything just sort of stopped I um I was really grateful that she wasn't trapped anymore um but there was also a lot of noise you know that that occurred during this time and then it just got really quiet and so in that sense I also felt at peace and I knew that she was at peace um yeah yeah I feel that completely um when my mom passed I was too young to understand how like her passing was getting her out of so much pain I mean and so when I was, when, when she passed, you know, I was, I was just filled with anger because, you know, it was people telling me like, at least she's in a better place. Years later, I had an aunt who became a second like mom to me and similar to your mother, um, her cancer spread and eventually became the tumor in her brain and then just, you know, multiplied everywhere in her body. And um, when I went to see her, for the last time. Yeah. I mean, she couldn't talk. She had no like functions. Um, you know, she couldn't lift her arms. She couldn't, she couldn't even talk. You know, she lost all motor functions. And when I said goodbye to her, it, it was hard because I knew she was passing. I could, I could tell, you know, it's amazing how you can sense, like you said, you knew that summer was going to be the one. It's amazing. Um, how you can like feel that coming. And with her, I did feel that peace um, because I saw her, you know, like my mom's passing was more gradual and wasn't as severe, but with my aunts, it was similar in that once I said like my final goodbye and I left and it was, it was heavy. She couldn't live, you know, she couldn't, she lost everything. And so I definitely relate to that um, sense of relief, but 
you mentioned it before, you had a lot of guilt. And so have you forgiven yourself like of that guilt? And if so, how did you find the grace to forgive yourself and kind of release that burden of I should have or just the guilt in general? It's something that I that I struggled with for a really long time. I I felt like I was an awful daughter. I, you know, I didn't give enough and I didn't love her enough. And I, you know, there's so many, so many things that I could say about how I felt about myself and and being inadequate. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, I was just, I, I was, I was ashamed. Um, And I don't really remember how I came to the realization, but think some time had passed and I think I just slowly started to realize that she she would never want me to to fault myself for the way that I was for the way that I showed up the way that I didn't show up um like I said my mom loved me immensely and I thought about loving myself again and felt and and knew that in order for me to really allow myself to heal I had to to forgive myself um and started you know really looking at what I was mad about what I was angry about and and realize that, you know, nothing, nothing can prepare you for cancer. Nothing can prepare you for losing a parent. And there's so many things that you could say about what you think you should do and what you think you might do. And then you're just in it and you're living and um, living, you're living in, in your reality and you can't even really see you know, what it is that you're doing, all you can do is, you know, kind of look back after the fact. And I just recognized that, you know, by pushing, by pushing, you know, by, by, by pushing her away, and like by keeping myself, you know, from kind of, I guess, going down the wormhole, I, again, I, it was like this, this mechanism that I had, you know, kind of internalized to protect myself, even though I knew that I was going to lose her. Um, And, you know, in that, in that sort of moment, I just, I realized that again, I, I needed to, to forgive myself because I gave what I was capable of. Um, I didn't know any different. Um, And then I also hold dear to my heart, the fact that in in the reality that when she needed me the most um that's when I gave everything um and was able to help her transition um and that's what I choose to focus on um because again you know there was a really you know dark time where I was just depressed and angry at myself and you know, just mad and angry about 
what I wish I would have done or what I could have done. And um, that's, that darkness is, is, is no place to be in. And I knew that I couldn't live in that darkness um, because I would never give myself the opportunity to see the light. And I knew that, um, I knew that she would have been really, really um, disappointed with me if I had never um, pushed myself to to see the light again and to to move forward and to um, take on the rest of my life and to and to be happy. Um, so it was it was a choice that I made for my happiness um, and for my you know for my ability to start the healing process um, was to forgive myself for, you know, not doing what I thought I, I should have done. Um, again, there's, there's no script. There's no right way to act. There's no wrong way to act. There's just what happens and, and how you are um, and the decisions that you make moving forward. Um, yeah, choosing to to forgive myself um, was one of the most important decisions that I've ever made. Mentioned on Instagram before that, you know, during that time of when you lost when you lost yourself um, for the first time, you developed just a rather disordered, you know, way of eating, as many people do. And I'm just curious, how was was that almost a coping? method for you I know I always like explain it like this I didn't have an eating disorder I had disordered eating because you know I was using it to cope it was and I think this is what you talked about on Instagram um it was a control factor for me it was a distraction it yeah those were the two main things it was something that diverted my attention away from the present and it was something that I could control and so I'm just curious like, where did that path take you? And how have you evolved since that time into living such a vibrant life that you do? Um, well, I, I will say this. It was absolutely um, a, a matter of being able to control uh, things. Um, so I, I could not relate more. I remember it... It started off as me staying away from foods that were triggersome. Um, triggersome in the sense that when I was growing up, we as a family didn't really eat well. Um, you know, I'd have Prego from a jar and I'd have, you know, macaroni, like processed macaroni and cheese from a box. And um, my mom wasn't necessarily a cook. I mean, we would cook at home, but, you know, by no means were things healthy and then you know I spent you know my high school years playing water polo and my you know early college years playing and had two days and hell week and all of the swimming and weightlifting and everything I'm like I can eat everything and um you know just didn't really think much about what I was putting in my body and thinking about it now and I've thought about this in the past you know it's it's kind of interesting because it was almost like, you know, like my mom was sick and I, I was athletic, but I still 
didn't make the connection really to, you know, to food and to eating well and using food as, as fuel and good fuel. And I think part of it was because, you know, I wasn't living with my mom day in and day out. I was away at school. And so I wasn't seeing what was transpiring. And in a way, like it was still real, but it like, it, it was like the disease, the illness wasn't real. And so it didn't really affect what I was, you know, what I was doing and what I was eating. And um, then I remember towards the end of my sophomore year and, you know, I mean, I, I was muscular, like I was heavy. Um, you know, I physically looked a lot different and, um, I just, I remember recognizing that, you know, I'd overindulged, um, as a lot of people do when they go to college and, um, and wanted to kind of get myself on track and, um, started eating, you know, healthier for, you know, the last couple of months after the season it ended. Um, and then when I got home and, and saw how bad things were and how, how much things had deteriorated, um, I was so stressed out, initially so stressed out and also just kind of overwhelmingly, you know, depressed with, with my reality and the realness and the severity that I just wasn't hungry and I just like really didn't eat anything and I wasn't exercising and all of this weight fell off and I hadn't even recognized it and didn't even really think about food so much for the first the first month or so I got so caught up and so consumed in taking care of my mom that I really forgot to take care of myself um and then it sort of shifted into me still, you know, seeing a lot of the foods that, you know, that we ate as, you know, as, as a young family and growing up. And I would see things in the pantry and in the freezer and the cupboards and, and my mom would still want these things. And I just remember like being angry, like at her for wanting to eat, you know, pies from like the local, you know, diner down the road and, and you know, frozen waffles and processed processed syrups and candy and all these things. And like, in my head, I was like, you should be eating, you know, leafy vegetables and all of these greens. And so I think I started sort of embodying like my desire for my mom to eat healthy um, and tried to do that myself and started like really just being very like picky and choosy about what I was eating. And so I just started eating like a lot of vegetables and a lot of, you know, like chicken and all of the, the foods and things that I thought were, you know, were bad. If you want to call it that, I just, I stopped eating and I, I can't even really like tell you where it came from, but it was just this desire to put good things in my body um, and to, to control what I was eating because I couldn't control what she was eating. I couldn't control um, what was happening to her. And all I could control were the decisions that I was making to, um, in my own way, try to, you know, nourish myself. And what it ended up being was, you know, as, as you had mentioned, um, you know, a, a disordered way of, of eating. I was eliminating, you know, the good fats and the good carbs from my diet because I was associating them with, you know, grilled cheese fried in butter and 
um, quesadillas, you know, with like guacamole and sour cream, like all of these comforting foods. And I just like, was like, no, like these are all bad. And like, I can only eat greens and, and, and good protein. And, um, it just, you know, little by little, I, I just, you know, I, I realized that I think it happened one day when I, like, I was sitting on the couch and, and I got up and I remember like feeling really dizzy and didn't really know why. And, um, started like getting really, really dizzy a lot, like over the next like week or so. And then, you know, kind of fast forward to like a few weeks after that. And it was like really hot, gets really hot in Simi Valley. I remember going upstairs and wanting to put on my favorite pair of shorts. And I'd been living in sweatpants and PJs. And this was like the first time I actually like put on a pair of clothing and I go to put on my shorts and they fall right off. And I just remember kind of like looking at the ground and looking at the shorts. I was like, you know, wait a minute, that's kind of weird. And I go to pull them up again. And it was like, if, you know, you're, you're one size and you go to put on a pair of pants from that, that belong to someone who's like seven feet tall and they're just not your size. And you, you know, it's like, they just did not fit at all. And I was like, you know, these are my shorts. How do they not fit? And I just remember like looking in the mirror and realizing that like I had lost a lot of weight and ended up going to the doctor and, you know, and I went to the doctor because I was feeling dizzy and also feeling depressed. And, you know, at that point I realized that I had lost, you know, a lot of weight, like, like 20 pounds, 25 pounds. And the weight just continued, you know, to fall off because I was just so sad um, and so worried about her. And, you know, again, in, in my desire to really care for her, I, um, I stopped caring for myself and I thought I was making decisions that were, um, that were healthy. It got to a point where I realized that I was trying to control my surroundings so much that I let my mind kind of go out of control and realize that I was actually sort of making myself sick in an attempt to make myself as healthy as possible by, you know, eating all of these vegetables and eating all the things that I wanted my mom to eat because I wanted her to get better, even though I knew that it was kind of beyond that point. And in that moment, I realized that I needed to, I needed to regain control in a healthy way um, and get a grip back on, on myself and, um, and, and to take care of myself in a way that, you know, I'd, I'd never taken care of myself um, and this, you know, stems back to me growing up as, you know, as a little girl. And um, I just, I, I saw what was happening to my mom and didn't want to completely lose myself in that. And there was also part of me at the time that was thinking about, you know, my dad. And, um, you know, I knew that you know, I knew that we were going to lose my mom. And I just remember thinking like, 
you know, I can't, like, I can't disappear too. Like, what is my dad going to do? Like, I was just, you know, so consumed by, by depression and wanting to make sense of everything. And I just realized that it was, it was my job to, you know, to claw my way back out of, you know, this, this darkness that I kind of, you know, felt comfort in. Um, it's so hard because things are like, again, it was like such a long time ago. And like, there's certain aspects I'm just like talking right now. Yeah. Like there's certain aspects, like I can remember like vividly and other things that kind of get like blurry. Um, but yeah, I, I realized that I, that I had the ability to, to regain um, control, but you know, in, in a healthy way. And again, that, you know, I had so many things that I wanted to accomplish and so many things that I wanted to pursue and knew that, you know, if I just remained in this space of darkness, that, that that would be my life. And I was like, there's so much more, you know, to life. And my mom would want me to thrive and to flourish and to be happy. And, um, it was like a piece of her inside of me that, you know, kind of shook me and said, you know, wake up and, you know, what are you doing and, you know, what's going on. And, um, and at that point, like I, I realized that I was really severely depressed and, um, went and told my doctor and started taking antidepressants, which quite honestly, um, helped me get, myself back on track helped me get back to the point where I wanted to kind of start um you know putting myself back into the presence of other people and like kind of rejoining society and at that point that was the time when I realized that I wanted to to work with with like to really work with food and to work with people again and and then okay, so now it's sort of coming back. And that's when I decided, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not going to go back to, you know, to college, but I'm going to go to culinary school and, 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 you know, and, and feel good about, about food again and all the things that like I used to enjoy and, um, and then ended up, you know, back in the restaurant. And then, you know, you kind of loop back to me going, um, you know, back to, to college after, you know, realizing that the restaurant wasn't quite right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was this, this voice inside of me that, that realized that I needed help, that I needed to ask for help. Um, and that's something that I've always been really, really proud of, um, is my, my ability to ask for help, whether it's, you know, a question about how to, you know, hook up a washing machine or um, how to, you know, cook a certain type of dish or how to, you know, how to do a math problem or calculus, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, I've always, you know, been someone that has asked for help. And this was a moment where um, it was not like about asking for help to, to complete, you know, tasks and services. It was about help for me to, you know, move forward with my life and not, you know, be completely, um, you know, devoured by, by depression and loss and, um, 
and trauma. And so, you know, like I said, I went to the doctor and, um, you know, started taking antidepressants and, um, that was something that really just made a tremendous, um, tremendous impact on my life. And it got me back to a point where, um, I was able to start getting healthy again and, um, and start filling myself up with, with work and with projects and with people, um, and not get so fixated on, you know, a specific role, a specific job. Um, yeah. Sorry, it's still a little foggy for me. No, that was absolutely wonderful. And coming from, you know, these times of struggle and hardship and loss and the darkness, how have you added vibrancy back into your life? How have you brought back, you know, slowly over time, the the joy and the laughter and the ability to love and see the colors and just, you know, slowly ground yourself back down into the present moment. And just, you know, whether that's through your food or your creativity, how have you added these little vibrant parts back into your life? Well, I think you just touched on, on a few of them. Um, you know, for me, you know, food is, it's something to, to enjoy, to, to cherish, to have fun with. Um, and it's also, you know, it's also an expression for me and, you know, the way that I put things in a bowl or a way, you know, the way that I like to, you know, squirt my mustard, like it's, you know, it's, it's like me splattering paint, you know, it's like, it's a way for me to be artistic and creative. Um, but there's certain things that I make that, you know, kind of remind me of my mom and of my childhood. Um, there are certain, certain things that, that I'll do, um, even here, um, in San Diego that, that kind of fill me up with the most wonderful memories. Like I spend a lot of time going to nurseries. Um, actually like I go to Home Depot a lot and I go into the nursery, like the, the garden department and I just spend, you know, like literally, you know, hours like walking up and down the roads because that's something that, you know, I used to do with my mom and with my dad and we'd pick out mulch and soil and we'd go back home and we'd plant it. And so I just, I find myself incorporating things into my life now as, as a young adult that were really enjoyable for me as a child. Um, it's not to say that there aren't moments where, you know, I'm, I'm triggered by things that happened in the past or, um, or sometimes, you know, there's, there's a song or there's a food or, you know, something that I'll, I'll see or hear. And it kind of reminds me of something that, you know, makes me kind of sad. And I still allow myself to have, you know, those moments and to, you know, reflect on them. Um, but I choose to focus on the memories that are good and that are fun um, and that bring me, um, that bring me joy. And, you know, and lately that's just been a lot of, of time um, for me, just being around plants, playing with art supplies. One of the ways that I've really allowed myself to flourish was by choosing to to challenge myself in moving back to San Diego 
um, and really, you know, moving out and being on my own and starting fresh. Um, it's really, you know, it's, it's challenged me in a lot of ways to, to find myself and to kind of make sense of, you know, like a daily routine and, and also, you know, my feelings, my, my emotions, my desires to really build the life that I want to hopefully have, you know, a family. And I will say that, you know, the first couple of months and being here, um, they're really hard. Again, like I, I, I was a bit depressed. I, I think, you know, I'm someone that will always have, you know, that tendency to have periods of time where I am depressed or I am sad. And I'm, you know, by no means ashamed to admit that or talk about that. Um, I, I'm able to recognize, you know, those moments and, you know, I accept them and I embrace them and I work through them. And, um, and that's exactly what I did, you know, here in San Diego, I, you know, part of me was, was really upset because it was cold and rainy all of the time. And I'm like, San Diego is supposed to be warm and sunny and it's not. And, you know, I remember like having, you know, these, these moments where I felt like a freshman in college and I'm like, you know, why did I go to school here? This is the wrong decision. I want to go home. And like having that like buyer's remorse. Um, and I just, I knew again that like I needed to be here and challenged myself to stay the course. And, you know, little by little things started, you know, to kind of fall into place. And I think in, in, in testing myself and in doing this, I've really empowered myself to, to start living the life that I want in the sense that I'm in a space and I'm surrounded by things and people that make me happy being the local community, the local farmers, the fishermen, the ocean, it's quiet, it's calm. Um, the traffic is not quite as bad as LA. So that's a plus. Um, you know, there are just, there are things here that, um, that are comforting. Um, and I've also been able to make myself comfortable here. And like I said, you know, after I lost my mom, I, you know, I lost my, my sense of, you know, of, of identity in a way and my, my family as I knew it. Um, my home became a house. It wasn't home anymore because my mom wasn't there to add her touches. Um, and so I've just, I've been, I've been searching for that feeling of belonging. And, um, you know, especially as, as a single gal, as an only child, as, you know, someone that has, you know, one parent here and that's it. I mean, it's really just me. And um, giving myself the opportunity to, to find that sense of belonging within myself and, and building it here um, has absolutely, um, reinvigorated every ounce of, of my being and really inspired me to continue, you know, living for, you know, the, the life that I, that I want to have for my future self. And that includes, um, most significantly being a mother, um, and having a child and hopefully two, um, and I've just, I've never been more excited to, you know, pursue that, that part of, 
of my life. Um, and I know that my mom, um, I know that's definitely what, what she wants for me and what she's always wanted. She remember when I was, you know, growing up, she would always talk about being a grandmother. Um, and she would have made a great one and she still will. Um, but I'm excited to um, really start building a family of, of my own. And that's, that's what gives me purpose. That's what lights me up is, is the ability to create that future. Well, that's an absolutely beautiful future that you will create and you are creating every day. And I feel so honored to have connected with you via this because you are, you are an amazing human being and everyone who listens to this will have something to take away because, I mean, you've, you've touched on all avenues of life and everybody has their highs and their lows and their trauma and their grief and their lost, loved. And so thank you for sharing with us all of that because it will connect with someone in some way and it will help them feel less alone. At least that's what it always does for me. And I, I, can, um, I can't thank you. I don't mean to cut you off, but no, you're okay. You know, asking me, you know, to, to talk with you. It's for me, it's, I never, you know, want anyone to experience, you know, what I've experienced. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, there is life and in life there, there is death. And I've found that, um, you know, the moments where we're able to connect with other people that have been through similar losses um, and, and loss in general, whether it be, a, you know, God forbid, a death or a divorce or um, a significant move or, or anything, um, you know, talking about these things isn't easy. Um, but in talking about them and facing them and, and recognizing them as, as, as real, as reality and, and part of our truths, I, I truly believe that it allows us to, to heal. Um, you know, it's like if, if you have a wound, you know, you put a Band-Aid on it for a little while and at some point you have to take the Band-Aid off to let the elements heal your body and I feel like talking about our experiences our traumas our successes our failures the things that we're scared of the things that were maybe we've been ashamed of the things that we've worked through um they allow us to uncover our our success and our ability to to thrive and to grow and um, you know, an opportunity to be able, you know, to share in any way that I can, um, and to make, hopefully make other people know, allow them to know that, you know, they're not alone. Um, that means everything to me because connection is everything to me. There have been a lot of times where I felt really alone and the moments where I feel the least alone are the moments where I allow myself to be the most vulnerable. 
I agree a hundred percent. I I think speaking the words aloud is just letting the light in and it's, yeah, like you said, you're facing it, you're putting them out into the world and it's, you let go, you have to lose some of the grasp you have on them. And so, yeah. We let go of that, that part of the control. Yep. One, one word at a time. Well, where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you? So like on social media or, um, you have a beautiful feed. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. You have inspirational posts and then your food is truly art and yeah. So I swear it's edible too. (laughs) Um, it's kind of funny. Like if you scroll way, way down, like there's like pictures of me, like splattering, powders and things and like I was really just like experimenting with like food plating and trying to make these composed dishes and you know things had just definitely you know kind of you know transpired from there but you know as of late I've just really been so you know inspired and invigorated by you know my surroundings here and I'm really excited to start you know sharing more aspects about you know my life you know my surroundings um and, you know, and food is part of that, but there's more to me than, than food. Um, and so I'm, again, I'm like really excited to start sharing more of that. Um, so, I mean, yes, I, I have an Instagram page. I do have a blog, although I'm um, a little reluctant to say that I've kind of neglected it, um, you know, so I definitely think I need to give it a little bit of love. Um, but aside from that, I currently live in in San Diego I I live in Oceanside um so if you're if you or if anyone ever wants to um you know come visit and have some fish tacos or really awesome sandwich let me know because I will definitely uh take you to some good spots but this this is where I'll be this is home um maybe you know LA every now and then to go see my dad or you know my hometown Simi Valley I've got um a couple of friends there, but San Diego is where I'll be. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I just can't thank you enough. <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute, um, absolute pleasure to talk with you and to share with you, to share with, with everybody. Uh, this is something I have never done before. So, you know, admittedly, it's, um, it's been a little difficult for me. Again, there's, you know, there's so many things I could say, but hopefully I've said enough, not too much, but, you know, enough. I hope you guys are as moved as I am by that beautiful conversation with Hannah. She's truly a light and has so much inspiration, wisdom, and just general love to give out, and I really hope you can feel that in this episode. She opened her heart and just shared everything in the hopes of connecting with one of you, having something resonate with you, inspire you, and, you know, if this did happen, feel free. You can message me. You could message her. Tag us on Instagram. I'm at thrive underscore on life. She is Hannah Guthman at hannah.guthman, linked below, and We would just really love to see how this episode connected to you, if it did in any way. And if you just enjoyed listening to her as she is an amazing person, then that's great too. I, you know, I just, 
I always hope that you take something away from these episodes, whether it's, you know, big or small. I'm going to keep this brief as I know today's episode was one of my longer ones, and that's great because there's so much in it. If you like today's show, please leave a rate and review on iTunes. You can even subscribe. It means so much to me. It helps people find the show, and maybe I'll even read your review in the next one. Or I'll tag you on Instagram, either way. And with that being said, tune in next week for another amazing episode, and we are back to regular scheduling now, I promise. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.